Hey guys, this is Jackson Keith. And this is Jacob Keith. And we have a very different episode today. And Jackson and I are really excited about this one. We we remember talking a few weeks ago about reading your Bible and some strategies for that. And I think some of the things that can maybe be intimidating about that is when you hear people talk about scripture, you hear them talk about it from a, hey, I've studied and prepared for this specific moment type of thing. So Jackson and I are going to do something different here. We have each come up with a Bible passage that we are going, yes, a chapter of of the (laughs) Bible that I have no idea which one Jackson has picked. Jackson has no idea which one I picked. Did you not see it on the notes before? Do what? Oh, Did you not see it on the notes before? By the way, that's a joke. Yes. Uh, And what's going to happen is one of us are going to share the passage with the other person or the chapter and that person is then going to read that chapter, not for the first time, because Jackson and I have both read the entire Bible, but for the first time in regards to like, I I wasn't prepared to study this. I wasn't prepared to talk about this. Uh, and we're going to kind of walk through our process of, okay, this is a new passage. And what are things that we're noticing? What are things that stick out? What are things that we're looking for as we're studying it to try and understand it? Uh and that's just what we're going to do. Jackson, you have anything you want to add or clarify to that? Uh, nope. Just seeing it for the first time today. And if we, I, I just think we're going to look at it honestly. There might be things that we genuinely don't uh, know the complete form, but we're just going to read it as honest as our brain allows us to. Yes. And I do want to give a kind of bit of warning to listeners with this. Because in some of our earlier episodes, like Jackson and I spent time studying beforehand and preparing things to talk about. And so we were able to trust like, hey, this had biblical backing to what we're saying. Right now, this is us looking at the passage in theory the first time. And so don't take everything that we're about to say in this episode as truth necessarily. This is more just for fun challenge, like just showing like what are things we're looking for when we're studying uh, we hope the things we say are going to be true, but at the end of the day, you look at the passage for yourself of the two passages we're going to be looking at, and you do your own research, And because there's possibilities that either of us could say something wrong just because we haven't done in-depth study because we're looking at it for the first time here. Uh, and so with that, Jackson, who, which of us should go first? Um, is there a form of rock, paper, scissors we can play even though we can't see each other? Um, I could can flip a do- coin. Um. You got a coin on you? I have Siri. <laughs> go for it. I'll pick heads. All right. So Jack this heads. I'm that means I go first. That means like you give me the passage first if it's heads. If it's tails, I give you the passage first. Sounds good. All right, here we go. Siri, flip a coin. And it is tails. So yes, you got a three. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so you're giving me the passage first? Yep. Okay, oh. you got your Bible out? I do. And now this is going to be called sword drill. That's what I was just thinking. <laughs> We're going to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews. Chapter. Four. Hebrews four. All right. Hebrews chapter four. All right. So we've got a 16 verses book of Hebrews. Um, all right. I'm going to be the stereotypical pastor here because uh, I looked at verse Therefore. one. Therefore. What's it there for? Uh, that is something I immediately noticed, and I haven't even read even the first sentence, but I just saw the word therefore. So for context, I'm going to read uh, the verses before it, uh, 
I'm going to go to chapter three and I'm just going to read 12 through 19. I'm not going to necessarily go for it study wise, but just so I understand what it's talking about. Take care, brethren, that there not be in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God, but encourage one another day after day, as long as it is still called today, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold fast the beginning of our assurance firm until the end. While it is said, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as when they provoked me. For who provoked him when they had heard? Indeed, did not all those who came out of Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were not able to enter because of unbelief. Therefore, now we're in chapter four. So we now have that context of Moses being uh, leading people out of Egypt and their people sinning while in the wilderness. Uh, and because of Moses and because of their sin, uh, they were unable to enter the promised land because of their unbelief. All right, chapter four. Therefore, let us fear if, while a promise remains of entering his rest, any one of you may seem to have come short of it. Ooh, that one's not fun. For indeed, we have had good news preached to us just as they also. But the word they heard did not profit them because it was not united by faith in those who heard. For we who have believed enter that rest, just as he said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has said somewhere concerning the seventh day, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again, in this passage, they shall not enter my rest. Therefore, since it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly had gone formerly had good news preached to them, failed to enter because of disobedience. So there's obviously a kind of intimidating start already to this chapter that I'm noticing, because uh, this is not a fun, happy-go-lucky passage that you're going to necessarily hear someone give you for encouragement's sake. Uh, later on, though. Later on. I'm, I'm sure it's building up to there, but from what I've read so far, this is not the kind of passage that if you're trying to make someone feel better about their walk in the Lord, you're going to be like, hey, dude, you're doing so great. Hebrews 4, like, your sin is keeping you from entering God's rest. Okay, whoa, that's scary. <laughs> uh, and so there's a few things I'm, like, picking up on that I'm looking for here in this passage. Uh, for example, like, verse 1, promise remains of entering his rest. God has made a promise. We know God is a God who fulfills his promises, even with Moses and the Israelites when they were fleeing from Egypt, they were going to the promised land, the land of Canaan. Uh, they had this intention of going to this land that God has promised them way beforehand. And in Moses's lifetime, he did not actually receive said promise because of, as chapter three said, the sin and the unbelief that him and the Israelites had. But God was still faithful to his promise because we saw that Joshua ended up leading the Israelites to that promised land right after Moses. And so here we have this promise given to us that God is going to allow us to enter his rest. Uh, and it, in verse five, points to uh, Genesis when God was creating the universe 
and referring to the seventh day of rest that he had when creating everything. And so uh, verse two, for indeed we have had good news preached to us just as they also. So like that good news as we get to enter God's rest, just like the Israelites had the good news of you have to enter the promised land. Verse two, but the word they heard did not profit them because it was not united by faith in those who heard. And so for something to profit someone is for it to be a betterment, for it to be more than what they had before. And so this good news should profit us plenty because the good news is we enter God's rest, which is being in heaven. But having that news and just hearing that news alone was not enough, according to verse two, because it was not united by faith in those who heard. Um, and so verse three, for we have, for we who have believed enter that rest, just as he said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. And I'm, I have a study Bible is what I'm using. And it says there something about Psalm 95, 11. So I bet that that is quoting that verse. I'm going to turn there real quick to see that. Psalm 95, 11. Here we go. And so that says, therefore, I swore in my anger, truly, they shall not enter my rest, enter into my rest. And so, yeah, once again, this is referring to uh, that passage. And even looking at the rest of Psalm 95, it's talking about the Israelites out in the wilderness, refers to their times at Meribah and the days of Massa in the wilderness. For 40 years, I load that generation. So like it is also alluding to Moses in the wilderness, just like Hebrews 4 is. Uh, so that's kind of cool. The author of Hebrews making that very specific connection there. Um, and so verse 6, Therefore, since it remains for some to enter it, being the rest, and those who formerly had good news preached to them, failed to enter because of disobedience. Verse 7, I'm hoping is where it's going to switch. <laughs> we'll see. He again fixes a certain day today, saying through David after so long a time, just as he had said before, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua, okay, we're, we're at Joshua now. For if Joshua had given them rest, he would not have spoken of another day after that. So there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For the one who has entered his rest has himself also rested from his works as God did from his. Therefore, let us be diligent to enter that rest so that no one will fall through following the same example of disobedience. And so I like that he brought that the author of Hebrews brought Joshua into this, because uh, as I was talking earlier, God still fulfilled his promise that he made to the Israelites. It just was not through Moses because of the disobedience it ended up being through Joshua. Uh and I could get on a whole soapbox of the symbolism that Joshua has and all the cool things there. But for time's sake, I'll save that for a different video or a different podcast. Uh, and so ultimately right now it's talking about like we need to enter God's rest. We need to kind of rely on him more than anything. Uh, and so... Verse 12, this is a verse a lot of people have probably heard before. Like I already had this specific verse highlighted in my Bible. Uh, For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, 
and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And so I I think that it is important to kind of make a list of what that just referred to uh, the word of God as, because it gave a lot of descriptions there. It is living. It is active. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. It is piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of joint and marrow. And it is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And so when we are, this verse is honestly a big reason why we study God's word and why it's so important to make sure that we give him the time uh, that he deserves for us to do that. Because, I mean, just think of a two-edged sword. Think of that. It's a sword that you stab it in someone's direction, but there's also one that is pointing towards you. And so it's something that, like, the edges of said sword, it's not going to just cut as you go into the person, but it's also going to cut as you pull out of the person. So it's like adding more wounds from just the same stab because most swords all the blades are pointing one direction so you stab it it goes in then you pull it out and it's not really doing much on the way out but a double-edged sword it's almost like a like v-shape up and down it so it's cutting both in and out and so for it to say the word of god is sharper than that just shows how deep it can get into us and how deep and impactful that god's word can be Uh, Verse 13 uh, seems to be really cool. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our confession. And that should terrify some people. It's all encouraging, but it should terrify people. And there is no creature hidden from his sight. So there is no hiding. You can't pull a Jonah and try and go the complete opposite direction trying to run from God. He's going to catch you. He knows where you're at. But all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Verse 14 again. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our confession. 15, I, oh, I love, I just looked at 15 real quick. I love this verse. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And so verse 15, it says we have, we don't have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, Verse 14 revealed who that high priest is, so it's Jesus. So Jesus sympathizes with our weaknesses, and he has been tempted in all things as we are, yet he is without sin. And so I want you all to think about that. It doesn't say, but one has been tempted in some things as we are. It says all things. So every temptation you have ever had, Jesus, while on earth, was tempted by it yet without sin. And so that reveals something. 
that reveals that temptation in and of itself is not a sin. We already knew that because of Jesus being tempted in the wilderness, but this kind of confirms that. But it also shows that you have to then not sin due to the temptation. And Jesus is a perfect example of that because he did go without sinning. He was tempted, but yet he did not sin. And so I think a lot of the times whenever it comes to like our sins, and this is kind of an application of like me reading it and thinking like, okay, how do we apply it? Sometimes we're scared to go to people for help whenever we're struggling with sins or struggling with things in life because we're like, there's no way they're going to understand. They won't get it. They don't, they don't know what it's like to be tempted by this. They don't know what it's like to fight this. They don't know what it's like to go through this. But 15 and, verse 15 and 16 of Hebrews 4 tells us that Jesus sympathizes with our weaknesses, that he has been tempted by all the things that we were, but without sin. Verse 16 then gives us a challenge. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And so that put a really nice bow on that chapter uh, because the beginning of it is very gloomy down. It's like, hey, your disobedience is going to keep you out of the rest of God going to keep you out of the promise that he has given you but then starts to switch and tells us the word of god is living and active uh and that we need to be diligent to enter his rest in verse 11 uh verse 13 that we're not hidden from his sight and so because of us not being hidden in his sight verse 14 therefore since we have a great high priest jesus let us hold fast our confession let us draw near to him because he sympathizes with our weakness he's been tempted but he didn't sin so let us draw near, not just draw near to the throne of grace, draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Uh, and so as I was reading that, uh, some of the things that I was just looking for was, okay, what is the point that the author is trying to make? Uh, is he trying to encourage? Is he trying to challenge? Is he trying to correct a wrong belief that we have and i think he did a, i think the author of hebrew did a little bit of all of that here in this passage because the encouragement came at the very end where it's hey we can draw near to our high priest to our to jesus because he sympathizes with us because he understands and he's gonna give us mercy and grace the challenge was we need to be diligent to enter the rest of god we need to be diligent to go to jesus to confess those things to him uh, and the wrong belief that we may have had was, hey, just this simple belief is going to get this promise fulfilled. Moses had that simple belief. He didn't go to the promised land. There was disobedience that was causing him to not enter that promise. Same for us, that if we aren't diligently seeking the Lord, if we aren't diligently entering, uh, drawing near to the throne of grace, then we are ultimately not going to receive that promise that God has given us to be able to enter his rest. And so Jackson, is there anything else you want me to hit on? Or is there anything that you caught that I didn't or really anything? I, I think the whole importance is to stick to God's word. Um, and I will say, I want to clarify this with insane clarity. Uh, that can be through prayer. 
-hmm. that can be through uh so many things that can be through god using other people uh i mean i I don't have any scripture to say it can't be through an audible voice it could be you know it can Mm -hmm. be through so many things but it's never going to disagree with the bible that we have it's never going to contradict uh but i think it's so important that we listen to god's word whether that's the scripture whether that's through prayer or whatever it might be uh, that we listen to God's word and obey it because that's how we enter the rest. And like I said, we on our own are always going to be disobedient. So we need that high priest, but our job is to obey his word. That's, that's the sum up of that chapter. Obey yes. his word. Uh, and I'm going to get on a soapbox super quick. Just looking at yeah. verse 12. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, for the word of God is living and active. And so the reason we rely on God's word, even today, despite what culture says, despite how culture wants to change, is because the word of God is living and active. It is not something that is dead. It is not something that is irrelevant. Just because the culture changes on certain topics or beliefs or things of that nature does not mean that we as Christians do, because God's word is living and active. It is still alive. It is still sharper than two edge, uh, still sharper than a double-edged sword. It still applies to our everyday life. Off soapbox. <laughs> Other soapbox. Don't try to make God's word change. Don't try to change your sword. Once you make your sword, it's kind of done. You can't try to rechange that. It's going to be messed up. So once you craft that sword, it's done. The Bible is crafted. So quit trying to shniggle the word of God to make it fit culture. Soapbox mm-hmm. time. Is it my turn yet? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Do you have your Bible ready to hear your passage? Uh, not only that, I got my phone Bible app ready. I got them both. All right. I want you to go to 2 Peter chapter 1. <laughs> okay. So you're going to tell me what it's about? No, I'm just kidding. So 2 <laughs> Peter chapter 1. See, Jacob gave me a 21 verse chapter. I only gave him 16. Um, but I, what I usually do <laughs> is I'm a highlighter guy. Um, not so much in my physical Bible, but my phone. Uh, but it can go both ways. If you're a, you use your physical Bible and things like that, you can highlight. And what I do is I have specific colors that mean a specific thing. I love doing it on my phone because I click one button and it highlights. If it was on my Bible, I would have butchered that paper because I don't know how to write. So first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to kind of go through and read this thing uh, and kind of highlight and then go back from there. Uh, Obviously, first and foremost, I realized that this book is written by, you guessed it, Peter. Um, Peter was one of the disciples of Jesus. So I'm trying to get all that context when I'm reading this. Uh, verse 1, Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have received a faith of the same kind as ours, by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. So he starts it off too, um, basically telling who he is, but he also says, to those who have received a faith of the same kind as ours. So immediately I'm seeing that and I'm saying, so this isn't, this isn't the people who have tried to shniggle the word of God. This isn't the people who uh, aren't believing truth. This isn't the people who don't believe in Jesus. This is only the people who believe in the same kind of faith as ours. Um, verse two, grace and peace be multiplied to you and the knowledge of God and, our, and, G- and of Jesus our Lord seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. So we're still kind of in an intro here, but now we're kind of getting out of it. Uh, and this is, it's really hard for me to just read it and not stop. 
So I'm going to stop. I, I lied to you earlier. Sorry. Seeing that his divine power has granted us everything pertaining to life and godliness uh, through the true knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and excellence. Uh, so we're receiving all of those things uh, through Jesus Christ. For by these, by what are these? These are all those things listed above. Uh, he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promise, promises, so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in this world by lust. So, uh, first off, Jacob gave me a good one, and I gave him a bad one. We got magnificent promises uh, where we can become partakers. So, this is starting off good. This is really, I mean, this is good news. You know, this is starting off with good news. I just, Jacob started off with bad news. Uh, but we can uh, obtain this promise uh, and become partakers of the divine nature of Christ um, and escape the corruption of this world. So God is holy. God is perfect. We are corrupt, uh, corrupted beings, but we can put on incorruption through Christ and we can escape the lust of this world. Now, for this very reason, also applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence and in your moral excellence, knowledge. And here he gets into this long section here knowledge and in your knowledge self-control and in your self-control perseverance and in your perseverance godliness and in your godliness kind brotherly kindness and in your brotherly kindness love for if these qualities are yours and are increasing they render you neither useless nor unfruitful uh in the true knowledge of our lord jesus christ so i think that's a good sum up there so what i'm going to do is i'm going to mark that one uh and I got a few different colors and kind of things. I have some that are like, I have questions about this and I mark those yellow. Um, some that I'm just like, this is just cool. And I just want to highlight it because I have the need to highlight it. I highlight that green. Uh, I highlight things that are pertaining to Jesus, light blue. And then if it's like, you know what? I see a sermon there. I highlight it in orange. <laughs> uh, so I'm highlight, highlighting all that in orange uh, because I think that's that's the meat of this chapter, what we just got done reading. So we're going to come back to that, but we're going to see exactly what all of that is really meaning through the rest of this. So we're in verse 9. For he who lacks these qualities is blind or short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sin. Uh, and it starts with therefore in verse 10. Uh, so really, man, that could be a full chapter in and of itself. Uh so it starts off, Peter, you know, introducing himself, and he, he gets to this point of talking about these promises that we've been given, the true knowledge of him, uh, the glory and excellence, the magnificent promise. Uh, and that last line, having escaped the corruption that is in this world by lust. So the way that I look at this uh, next section from verse 5 to verse 8 of Second Peter 1 is really how we flee from sin. I think this is an insanely amazing example of how to flee from sin. So what are these steps? Uh, so it starts off in verse 5. Uh, that is very reason applying all diligence in your face. Supply moral excellence. Uh, so like I said, we're, we're getting away from the lust of this world. Uh, your morality. Um, goes on to the next thing. Your, and, oh, yeah. So with everything, it's going to say it twice. So through that, we got your knowledge. Uh, I was just reading, uh, and I'm actually in the book of Romans with some of my students, uh, and we're reading about if you don't have the law, then you don't know what sin is. So if we don't know the knowledge, if we don't know the word of God, then how do we know what sin is? Self-control. If you don't got self-control, 
How do you flee from sin? Perseverance. If anyone ever has dealt with an addiction, it takes a perseverance to get out of that thing. Uh, God, uh, where am I at? Uh, perseverance and your perseverance, godliness, um, speaks for itself. Um, and then your godliness, brotherly kindness, uh, you know, being there with each other, and then your brotherly kindness, love. Uh, and once again, love is the sum of everything. That is the ultimate command that we are given. Uh, and actually, I think it's kind of those last two things are important because to, to flee from sin, do what is right is our greatest two commandments, to love the Lord your God uh, and to love your neighbor as yourself. So let's see exactly what the rest of this says as we continue on for if you like these qualities. Oh, yeah. So it was talking about there. Um, if you don't have those qualities in yourself, then you are useless and unfruitful. Uh, and the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So here's the bad news. Uh, I don't really see it as bad news, honestly, either. I see it as, as good news, the fact, because honestly, we were all unfruitful. That's immediately what I'm seeing. I'm seeing that we are all unfruitful. Um, but because like kind of what Jacob read in his passage there, we've been given a high priest who will accept us. And now we're supposed to partake of these qualities. We're supposed to have these qualities in our life. Uh, or otherwise, we're unfruitful and we're useless. And that's the last thing I want to be. Uh, I, I do not want to be useless. I do not want to be unfruitful for God. Uh, because I don't really know if he's going to keep you around. I guess we'll kind of figure that out more if you, you keep reading. Uh, whether you can be unfruitful and useless and, you know, have that relationship with Christ. Um, verse 9 says, For he who lacks these qualities is blind or short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins so once again we we can't just continue in sin uh, there's another verse that says should we continue in sin so that grace may abound no may it never be uh and that's exactly what we're seeing here we need to obtain these qualities from verse six or i guess verse five to verse uh seven if we want to to be useful if we want to be fruitful and if we want to remember our purification so because of those things, therefore, what is it there for? Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you. For as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. Once again, that's why I said, if we want to flee from the lust, we got to practice those things. Because Peter said, we will never stumble if we do those things. For in this way, the entrance into the eternal kingdom, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be abundantly supplied to you. If you want it to be supplied to you abundantly, which that's awesome, that phrase, not just supplied, but abundantly supplied to you. It's not just given to you. It's, you know, given to you exceedingly uh, the eternal kingdom. That's eternal life, heaven, things like that. If we want that, we got to follow those steps there. Once again, therefore, what's it there for? Therefore, you know, it's putting all that back there. So because we can have that abundantly supplied to us, I will always be ready to remind you of these things, even though you already know them and have been established in the truth, which I, which is presented to you. I consider it right as long as I am in this earthly dwelling to stir you up by this way of reminder, knowing that that the laying aside of my earthly dwelling is imminent as our Lord Jesus Christ has made it clear to me. And I will be diligent that any time after my departure, you will be able to call these things to mind. So Peter's saying, you know, I wrote these things to you because I know at some point I'm going to die. Uh, and I got to give you this truth. And if I know you already know this truth, but I'm going to tell you anyways. And that's once again here. Uh, I'm sure some of you already know these passages. You might already know these truths, uh, but you got to know it anyways. Uh, verse 16, for we did not follow cleverly devised hills when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. So like I said, whenever I first started this book, 
But I was reading here. Peter wrote this. He was there. So Peter just said, I'm not just telling you something made up or some little fairy tale. I'm telling you an eyewitness account. So this book is all from an eyewitness account of Jesus. For when he received honor and glory from God, I'm flipping the page, the Father, such an er uh, utterance as this was made to him by the majestic glory. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. <laughs> so Peter was literally there. Um, that time, I believe, uh, well, matter of fact, Peter heard it twice. Peter heard it whenever Jesus was baptized, where God said that uh, utterance, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. But Peter also heard it on the Mount of Transfiguration. Was, yeah, he heard it. He wasn't asleep. Uh, where God said, this is my son, listen to him. Um, so once again, Peter is an eyewitness, and he says, we ourselves heard this utterance made from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. So like I was saying earlier when Jacob was talking, there's proof that God can speak in the physical, what, what did I say, audible voice. Mm -hmm. So we have this prophetic word made much more sure to which you do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star arises in your heart. But know this first of all, that no prophecy of scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoken from God. So boom, he just gave us a whole other point there, mm -hmm. uh, which kind of ties into what Jacob was saying, which is weird how the Bible just, you know, works together. <laughs> um, but no prophecy is just a man. Uh, if there's a, a prophecy of scripture, it is not his own interpretation. It's not his own will, but it is made as an act, uh, moved by the spirit as an act from the Holy Spirit, spoke from God. So everything we have in this Bible is an act made from God. So all of this, all of it boils down to, first and foremost, we got an eyewitness account from Peter. He's basically saying from 16 to verse 21, uh, I promise this is true. I was there. Um, and then in verse 1 through 15, we got to obey his commands so we can stay clear from the lust of the world. So we can be fruitful. So we can be useful. So we can not be blindsided. So we can see. So all those things, I think, all are pointing to the idea of if we will keep those commands that we're given, if we can keep those, uh, what would the wording be? Um, attributes. If we can keep those attributes, we can be fruitful. Um, and yes, we are, are given uh, grace freely given. Uh, we, we don't deserve it. We didn't earn it. We didn't buy it. Uh, but man, why don't we? I kind of hate the fact that it's a fight about, uh, you know, do we have to do works and stuff? Quit mm. arguing and do them. Yeah. Quit arguing and do them because I want to be fruitful. I want to be useful. And if I want to do that, I got to keep those qualities. So when I first, when I read that, when I read that right now, what I see is I need to figure out what those things mean there. Six through uh, seven, five through seven, verses five through seven. I need to study that out more. I need to figure out exactly how those apply to my life. And what I would do uh, is I would sit down and I'd look, how do I, how would I, you know, put myself on moral excellence? How would I say I'm doing in my knowledge? How would I say I'm, you know, having self-control? Am I persevering? Do I have godliness? Do I have brotherly kindness for others? Do I have love? Do I have those attributes? And if I do, I'm going to be really free from sin, free from conscious sin for sure. Um, and if not, then there's some sins in your life that you got to take care of and work on. Uh, 
And I tell even this, like tonight I'm uh, going to be, you know, preaching to my youth group. But if I don't have those things there, if I don't have those actions in my life, no matter what words come out of my mouth, uh, I'm going to be unfruitful and useless. God's word's still going to be living and active and God can still use it because he's just that good. But on the end of me, I'm unfruitful and useless. So I really want to make sure that those two, three, two, whatever verses, I'm making sure my life, you know, lives those out because I want to be useful. That's what I see when reading this. Jacob, how about you? Got anything else on it? Yeah. To kind of jump on the topic of discipleship a little bit, I think that uh, verse 12 is really cool because you have to remind yourself, this is Peter talking and he's talking to believers. He's talking to people that he knows. And verse 12, he says, therefore, I will always be ready to remind you of these things, even though you already know them and have been established in the truth, which is present with you. And I think that's so, I think that's something that we're almost scared to do sometimes is we, we don't want to make someone think that we're acting like they're dumb or that they don't know something. So we don't remind them of things that are in God's word. But this is something that like, I have to do with my students. I have to do with my friends. I have to do with myself is remind myself of the truth of God's word and remind myself of the fact that Jesus has persevered through these things. The passage I read earlier, it was a good reminder for me reading that, that Jesus sympathizes with me, that he has been tempted by all the same things, yet he was without sin. So I can approach his throne of grace. I can approach it confidently. I was reminded of that by reading his passage. And so like people that are in your life, like you might need to remind them of things but you're not doing that because you don't think they don't know it. You're doing that because you love and you care about them like Peter did here. And then when they remind you of those same things, don't take that as an attack, but take that as a, okay, they love me and care for me enough to remind me of this biblical truth. Uh, and I don't know. I just think that's really cool. So that's all I have on that passage. <laughs> I think it's cool too. Um, and what I want everyone to get out of this is first off, your brain's going to function different than ours. We all have different brain functions. We all have different ways of, of thinking. Um, and I want you to, to first off, make your own. Mm. Uh, that doesn't mean make it easy and unfruitful and useless, uh, but make your own. Don't, don't try to fit a mold. Uh, I've heard it always said, we don't need more than one Billy Graham. We needed one Billy Graham and we got him. We don't need more. Mm. So whenever you're preaching, if God hasn't called you to, and God said, you know, if God hasn't called you to do that, we don't need more than one Billy Graham. Why are you laughing at me, Jacob? What's that for? It, it was the impersonation I'm laughing at. Yeah. there's a, a, on, on a good day, I can hit me a good Billy Graham. That wasn't good, but, hey, I didn't practice. I didn't know why I was going here. <laughs> um, but think your own way. And then I want to point out, too, whenever me and Jacob were talking there, it might have seemed like we were trying to teach. Like we thought, oh, like there's a podcast here. We need to teach them. No, that's the way our brains function. Yeah, that, that, We're doing that to ourselves. We're sitting there teaching ourselves as we read because once again, me and Jacob's gifting is teaching. That's literally both of our, our main gifting. That's another thing, topic we could talk about another day. Uh, but that's our main gifting. Uh, we, God can use us in all things. Uh, that's our main gifting. And that's just the way our brain functions. So we're not sitting there saying those things in a sense of like, oh, like we're not actually, you know, we're here to teach. Like that's literally the way that our brain is functioning through reading that is teaching ourselves. It's, it's maybe sometimes Billy Graham might be up in my forehead talking to me whenever I'm reading these scriptures. Uh, but I'm teaching myself as I read it. And your brain is going to do something based off the way God's made you, your gifting, your personality. That's the way you're going to comprehend it. 
but it always needs to be knowledge. And like I use the analogy, uh, supposedly Jacob told me I use this analogy on the Bible uh, reading one. Uh, I like to go rock climbing. And every time I go, someone uh, that already goes there and they're really good at it, they always show me techniques and things and it opens my brain to things. So make sure you continue diving in God's word because if you read it for the first time, of course you're not going to know the cross-reference to you know, Genesis 41 and how that connects to second Peter two, you know, you're going to have no clue, but if you read it three times, maybe you will. So just be patient with yourself and continue diving in. And basically you're honing your craft. You're building your muscles, your spiritual muscles and build your own muscles, not somebody else's. Mm, Absolutely. And as, as Jax was saying, just because we studied the Bible the way that we did here and because we did it in a teachy format, that doesn't mean you have to study your Bible that way. That is just the way that works for Jackson and I is like, I, I literally went to college for education. And one of the things that they taught there was that the way you learn a skill or concept the most is by teaching it. And I just kind of internalized that even with my Bible reading is I pretend like I'm teaching it uh, as I'm studying it. Cause I'm looking for, okay, what would I teach my students if they were going through this passage? And then those things suddenly pop out to me. Uh, but for you, it might be very, very different. You might have to read one passage and just meditate on that, like one verse for a little bit, maybe with some worship music in the background, like maybe you need to read a verse and then pray about it and then read another verse, pray about it. But the thing is, is that you're not going to know what works for you until you try. Yeah. Like Jackson and I didn't just our very first time trying to read the Bible think, all right, let's pretend like I'm teaching and that's going to make it work for me. No, like Jackson and I have had a ton of failed attempts of trying to read our Bibles and understand it a ton. Like I even reading now, like I'll read passages that I've read who knows how many times. I'm just like, Jacob, you have been misinterpreting that your entire life and misunderstanding that. How did you manage to do that? And it's because times. How many times have you had to hit the leave plan button on the Bible app? Isn't that a shameful act to do? It hurts so bad whenever I have to scroll it over and hit leave plan mm. because I failed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and so I think just the biggest encouragement I can give from the challenge that Jackson and I did today of just trying to understand a passage without having studied it beforehand is Reading the Bible doesn't have to be intimidating. Reading the Bible doesn't have to be a task. It doesn't have to be a chore. As the passage I read in Hebrews 4 says, the word of God is living and active. It is something that speaks into our lives now and today. Notice that with both Jackson and mine's passages, there were things that we were able to get on soapboxes on because they applied to today's world and to today's culture. That's going to happen all throughout scripture. Are there going to be some places that are easier to get something out of than others? Sure. But the point is, is that you're not going to know that until you get in the word yourself. And so that is my biggest challenge is find a random passage and try and understand it. Try and study it. Don't just read it. Study it. They are different. Those are different things. Uh, Jackson, you got anything? Uh, I just, I, I want to make a, clarification like we were saying like we read it through teaching um you were talking about how some people might read it for you know exhortation or things like that i want to encourage you to do all 
Mm. I'm sure you might do one more than others. You know, me and Jacob are going to read it from the teaching perspective more than others. Uh, but every once in a while, me and Jacob need to sit there and get one verse and break it down and just pray on it. Mm. Every once in a while, you know, we need to do all those different things. So I think, uh, let's say you're at an above level where you're already reading scripture and you're like, well, I'm, I'm doing pretty good at my exhortation reading or my teaching reading or my prophecy reading, you know, however you're reading it. Well, how about you try something new? You know, you work out some other muscles because if you just had big biceps and you have no legs, people make money. So <laughs> work it all out. That's all I got. All right. Um, and so that's all I've got as well. This was just a fun random thing for Jackson and I to do. The more the more we were doing it, the more I felt like we were one of those like YouTube react videos. Where, to like, a Bible verse <laughs> video, but we were reacting to a Bible verse. So I guess if you want to see more Bible passage reactions, uh, let us know and we can try this again. Uh, that's just kind of a random thought I had as we were doing this. I was like, we're we're reacting to this passage more than anything. <laughs> uh, and so that's all that we've got for this week. Uh, let us know if y'all have any questions or things y'all want us to talk about. But with that, get in God's word. Just do it. That's what I was about to say.